For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Panel to Screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You don't remember the intro, do you? I don't. I don't. I don't, Bell. It's been so long. But I got to tell you, I am super excited to be uh, back on the mic with you here for the podcast. Uh, it has been several, several weeks. Obviously, as we are recording this, we are still very deep in the midst of a actual real world crisis. Uh, as uh, as yeah, as our our film and entertainment and television is all uh, shut down in an effort to uh, to you know kill kill the virus that is that is still very much at large, especially here in the states. And uh, Bell, that has meant no flash for us to discuss, and probably means no flash for quite some time. But uh, we're really excited because we have got a brand new mini series that we are going to be uh, presenting you with here over the next couple of weeks uh, in our release the rose colored cut. Now, if you haven't seen this already, we posted this to Facebook, Twitter, and all that kind of great stuff. But a, uh, we are essentially going to do a rose-colored retrospective for the Snyderverse. Bell, I, I know, you know, in, in the last several weeks, it was announced that the, uh, the quote-unquote Snyder cut of Justice League was coming out. Uh, what was your kind of reaction to that? Uh, you know, it's a mixed bag. It's one of those things where it's like, does it need to come out? I, like, because, so, I... I, I I like to compare it to this. Everybody was like, oh, the director's, the director's cut of, of, of uh, 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 Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition or whatever. Oh, yeah, it makes it so much better and like blah, 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 blah. And so I, I, I bought into that because I, um, I wasn't a fan of that movie and uh, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to watch this extended cut and I'm going to see if it makes it any better. And it didn't change anything. It really didn't. It, it made zero difference to me. Um, and I... I don't know. I mean, the Snyder cut seems like they're going more into dark side, which I think is cool. Um, I don't like, I don't know if they're like, they're not filming new portions of it. Are they, they're just going to use stuff that wound up on the cutting room floor and like re-edit and recompile it into a mini series. And I think that in and of itself is interesting. And I, and I, I think the ideas that they're trying to put forth with it, that were kind of like, you know, left out and whatnot. Um, I think that's kind of neat. I think it's, I think that's interesting, but like, I didn't like, I mean, Justice League, it wasn't, it wasn't all that great in my opinion. And so I, I, I don't know what the Snyder cut is going to do. I'm going, I, I'm, I'm not going to like, you know, poo poo on it just yet, but I'm just, I'm not optimistic about what the different cut is going to do to the story, how it was presented in theaters. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bell, can I, can I talk to you over here for just a second? Yeah, sure. What's up? Okay, Bell. This is this entire point of this miniseries is to is to pander to the release of the Snyder Cut fans. Like we talked about this, this was all part of the plan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. You, you, Um, no, no, Bell, 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 (laughs) Bell. 
We, we, listen to me, listen to me. We have no Flash to talk about for months, possibly even years. If we don't do this right, then we're going to lose our entire audience and we have got to do this right, okay? So, just, like, like, act like you're excited at the very least, okay? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. All right, all right, all right let's just, just take it from the top. Yeah. I'm going to try again. Let's see what happens. Okay. Mm. Bell, um, so, uh, in, in summary, um, <clears throat> When you first heard that the Snyder Cut was coming out, what was your reaction? I was so excited that I pooped myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, if you're not familiar, a rose-colored <laughs> retrospective. Uh, we got we to gotta give a little bit of context for this. This is where we, we take a film that has uh, universally not necessarily gotten the best reaction and we go back and we rewatch it with rose-colored glasses, talking specifically about what we liked and not going into any criticism whatsoever. We uh, Back when we had a podcast called Panel to Screen, this was something we would do from time to time. Uh, and we did things like Ang Lee's Hulk or the Daredevil, uh, you know, the the original um, Ben Affleck. Da- Electra. Yeah, Electra. Uh, J- Jonah Hex. We, we had a bunch of different ones that we went back through. And these were all, you know, comic book films that were universally kind of, you know, you walk into the comic shop in America and you could probably name this movie and it would get kind of, kind of torn apart. Suffice to say, regardless of what your feelings are about the DCEU, uh, it is not without its critics. And, uh, you know, even the good movies... Um, like the one that we're, you know, or, or rather, should I say, even the movies that are more universally appreciated are still kind of part of a universe as a whole that has had a lot of criticism heaped on it. And of course, as we are, you know, Flash fans and, and DC Comics fans, uh, we thought this would be a great opportunity to go in and do essentially a rose-colored retrospective on the entire DCEU. So over the next couple of weeks, we will be presenting you with uh, some reviews, some rose-colored reviews of every single DCEU Snyderverse-esque film that has come out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, Belle, because we get a chance to start off with a movie that at the time, if I'm being totally honest... I was a little let down by because I was a huge, huge, like, like, you know, all on board. Okay. Wonder Woman down with the casting, love Gal Gadot, love where we're, we're uh, seeing kind of this as a period piece and all that kind of thing. I'm, I'm down. And then there were things about the movie that didn't quite land with me, but going back for the rewatch of this movie, man, I was so excited because I found a lot of things that when I was looking through a critical eye, I didn't notice Oh yeah, rose-colored retrospectives are therapy, my friend. Yeah, you know, and and I'm I'm glad that we decided to watch these in like DCEU chronological order. Yes, because I feel just just starting with Wonder Woman has changed my outlook of this entire process. Um, because as you mentioned earlier, this this is one of the DCEU films that was um not as heavily criticized as some of the others. Right, and, yeah. and and so like it, it, it starts you out on on a good foot and granted, like I, I, I was one of the ones that did enjoy Man of Steel. So that being the first, um, you know, we could have done it that order, like Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we didn't. Uh, we did it this way. And I, I think that I think that's nice because we start off on, on two of the more um, well recepted films. And that kind of sets us up to make this process easier. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, you know, this is fun. It, it's interesting because going back and rewatching this um, from that standpoint of doing kind of a chronological rewatch, you know, this movie was made for a universe that was already established, yet it's set in such an earlier time 
in the timeline of that established universe. So even just kind of the context of her opening up the box from Bruce Wayne, I'll say this. I mean, the, the benefit here is that, you know, you don't, everybody knows who Bruce Wayne is. You know what I mean? Like you, even, even if this literally was the first film that they released for this universe, I think it would have absolutely worked and had kind of some of that initial excitement out the gate because it's like, oh, okay, we, you know, uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, and she's already conversing with Batman. And oh my goodness, could we actually get a Justice League? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a way in which they did this with, yes, her origin story, but starting it from the context of an already, you know, established Wonder Woman who's already having conversations with Bruce Wayne. Um, it injects a sense of like uh, energy and relevancy from like the first few moments of the film. And I think that works out really well. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like that, I, I completely agree. I 100% agree. I think that, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about where, you know, you start it with this one. And, and, and I want to say that that's what, that's what DC and uh, Warner Brothers kind of wanted it to do. They wanted to take a different approach to superhero films, not have like, you know, five, six different origins, origin films, and then do their team up. They they wanted to kind of hop into a developed universe. And they, you know, say what you will about how they did that. Uh, starting with Wonder Woman, if you're going to rewatch the, the Snyderverse, I highly recommend starting with Wonder Woman because just like you said, it's like the first five minutes you see Wayne Enterprises. You're like, oh, snap. Everybody knows who Batman yeah. is. We don't need, we don't need it uh, in like, you know, Batman's delivered her this crazy picture. Oh, wow. Like he knows something about Diana. That's really neat. We don't know what it is right now, but it, it sets us up for stuff in the future for them to explore. And, you know, and, and to kind of contrast that with some criticism that you had for a Marvel movie, I remember in Ant-Man, when we talked about that film, you really felt like the, the Avengers aspect felt very wedged into you personally. Now that wasn't my takeaway, but that was something that you noticed. Um, and you know, by contrast, this feels very organic. This does not feel wedged in. This feels actually like, you know, very universe building, um, without getting in the way of Wonder Woman story. This is not a Batman story. This this is not a Batman hype, uh, commercial or anything of that nature. It's a Wonder Woman story that's existing in a bigger universe. Right. And, And it feels less, it feels more substantial than when you see, um, I think there's a Wayne Enterprises satellite in Man of Steel. Yes. And it's like, okay, yes. okay, yeah, yeah. Blink and you miss it. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. But this feels way more substantial. She's emailing mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, Wayne Enterprises truck is delivering a package to Diana. We never see Bruce, but there's an email correspondence going on there. And like, it feels way more substantial and way more just cool. Like the cool factor is there, right? Um, without ever having to show Bruce or mention Batman or, or mention any of that. Like, th- that's kind of that feels like the right way to sort of tie into a bigger universe without um, trying to fit like 500 different origin stories into one movie or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, out the gate, there's something that we have to acknowledge. And that is that, I mean, I, I, I would be shocked if you argue against this, but I think this film has the best music and the best themes, like the Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman, like rock, like that is just insanely good, insanely good. Like, I love the soundtrack of this film. I, <laughs> I, 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 the Wonder Woman theme, like the, like that part, like, yes, yes. I liked all the other music except for that one part. It just sounds really shrill and weird to me. I don't know why. So that one doesn't work for you. Okay. Dang it. All right. Well, see, for me, man, I love, I love the music in this movie. And I actually, I love that because it almost has kind of this like, 
you know, uh, this like battle cry nature to it with kind of the drum, uh, type of rhythm going on in the background. I, I love it, man. I love, I love the wonder. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, expand on that a little bit because I know like in the, I want to say it was in the trailer or something like that. When they play that music, I was like, that sounds just really weird and odd. Um, and, and when they play that actual part, it still sounds kind of weird and odd, but when they tie in her theme, and that theme music, because that's, that's like the Wonder Woman theme, like the do 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 like that part is the theme. When they tie that into the other pieces of the score, it really works. It, it, it does. Interesting. Like, that was yeah, something yeah, that, yeah. I, that I remembered, because, like, I, I don't know what it is about the Wonder Woman theme. It, it just doesn't resonate with me, and that's that's my opinion. Um, but what I will say is upon the rewatch, going into the movie with that understanding that I was like, it's not my favorite superhero theme, um, l- hearing it throughout the soundtrack as they put it in different portions of different songs and and it, it makes this cohesive kind of like musical experience and i think it, it works as pieces of those other um other songs in the movie i i like that aspect of it it's it's just the, the full-on theme bit like that part is just sort of weird to me but like it really works together in the other compositions as pieces of those compositions if that makes any sense yeah no absolutely Absolutely. No, I, 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 I dig it, man. I really do. Um, especially I think that I, I would say, you know, that I think that the Wonder Woman theme of all of the DCEU films, uh, has the most iconic of theme music, um, that I, I would be, I, you know, I, I just think that we'll, we'll probably be getting little bits and pieces of that, uh, just as the, as the franchise goes on. Um, I think it has very much staying power. I remember seeing a video years ago. I want to say this is before this is like after the Avengers had first come out. Um, there were a couple other, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but a guy was going around. He's talking about the music in the MCU and he played the Avengers theme song. This might've been like maybe a year after the Avengers theme song came out. He was trying to get people to identify it. And everybody was like, Oh, I don't know. It sounds familiar. I don't know what it is, but then, you know, he played Superman's theme um, Batman's theme from like the 89 Batman and like these other like classic songs. Right. Um, and instantly recognizable. If um, like, I, I want to say when I watched that movie, I was one of the people originally who was like, I know that music, I know it. And it's going to kill me when I hear what it is. Um, because it was a part of the Avengers theme. I think it's like maybe less recognizable. I don't know, but the wonder woman theme. Yeah. It, instantly recognizable. Um, very distinctive, very, unique to that film which 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 is a positive for it you know it is very recognizable absolutely man okay so uh you know we we get a chance to meet up with diana when she is a small child there's a ton of exposition in this movie because of course we are setting up a lot in terms of greek mythology and you know kind of a a take on greek mythology that is all wrapped up in her origin story and how that plays out with the rest of the modern world that we're eventually going to catch up with uh, i got to say though kid diana man like you know obviously i've i'm i'm a dad i've i've got daughters and i mean like especially my youngest when i saw like every single time i see kid diana man she always just reminds me of my youngest daughter <laughs> just, she out there like fighting doing fighting moves and stuff the like that. sheer determination that she has in her mind and kind of like <laughs> taking those battle stances and you know that kind of pseudo defiant like okay you know looking for any kind of adult to give her an out like where's my aunt where's my uncle who's who's gonna let me kind of circumvent the uh, the parental authority here i don't know that that just it spoke to me and i, I love that we get a chance to see diana she's very gung-ho and that determination is something that obviously plays out not just as a young child 
but as she's much older, um, you know, they, there is a sense of naivete that exists within uh, her as an adult because she has been brought up in quite literally a bubble. The world that she exists in is literally bubbled around with kind of the facade. You know, it's it's interesting to me, man, because I remember at the time when I first saw the movie and I, there was a lot of discussion about like, how did nobody ever realize this was here? Rewatching this movie, I'm like, you know what? No, I I bet a lot of people have stumbled on the Themyscira like over the years. Like the the the, uh, the army, the defense group kind of rallied real quick to cut down everybody who came to the shores. And I have a feeling like, you know, this time it's like, oh, you know, Germans, World War One, we're okay with this because they're not quite Nazis yet. But, you know, they're going to be Nazis. So we're okay with this. But the reality is, man, I bet there's a couple of like fishing boats that have been cut down over the years. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. There, there, there are a bunch of skeletons underneath that. Big sand. time, <laughs> big time. So that was one thing that I, I think, was kind of made more clear to me this time around. Um, you know, I, I did get, uh, you know, having uh, been to uh, Greece and 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 seen the islands. You know, one of the things that that as we've had to experience kind of a, a shutdown of travel over the last several months. Uh, it's made me really miss travel and, and specifically Greece and watching this movie and kind of seeing just the blueness of the ocean, reminding me of the Aegean Sea. Um, man, there's, whew, it's, it's a beautiful location. The mascara in particular, they really brought that to life in a, in a grand way. Yeah. It makes me sad um, because I, I want to go on my honeymoon. I might not be able to because of the virus. Well, you do eventually. But, eventually, you could always just just yeah. rewatch the Themyscira scenes over and over again, and and you're good. <laughs> I love that we get the nod to Paradise Island as well, right? We get Steve Trevor makes mention of that. Now, this is kind of interesting. When Steve Trevor washes up to the shore, um, I, I I noticed this. I think the first time I watched through, but this this time I did a little bit more digging. When when she rescues him, did that happen to remind you of any other movie that you've seen before? Uh, kind of reminded me of Man of Steel. Okay, no, I, I can I can kind of see that. Um, but no, no, no. When she's like, she brings him over, and she she swims up, and she brings him to the shore, and she's kind of like over his body, watching him, kind of studying him, trying to figure him out. Uh, that always to me spoke of uh, or made, really kind of made me remember uh, the Little Mermaid. And it turns out that the Little Mermaid was actually a pretty strong influence to the creation of this particular take on Wonder Woman. I did not know that. Yeah, man. That whole kind of wish I could be part of your world, naivete, learning about things, yet taking them in stride. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ties between this film and Wonder Woman or uh, Wonder Woman and, and Little Mermaid. And that scene in particular, go back and, and rewatch it through that lens because you'll you'll see it, man. Like it's it's Ariel like hovering over Eric and studying him after she she pulled him out of the uh, the water and the wreckage. Yeah, I can't say I've seen The Little Mermaid probably in the last I don't know thirty years. <laughs> All right, again, I do have daughters. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, yeah. You, of course, you've seen it. You have children, but right. uh, I, yeah, I, I. I the, the parallels to me were more of the oil rig scene in Man of Steel where there's, uh, you know, him diving down and saving people out of the water. There's fire and stuff like that. And so, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the the um, hero origin, like, you know, they're going to do what's right kind of thing. Um, 
those are the parallels at least I got from the in-universe. But it makes sense. I mean, you know, hearing you say it makes sense. It's just I haven't seen The Little Mermaid in so long. It's like, I'm like, oh, I, I guess all that happened. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it ended up being a pretty significant influence, which was kind of cool to learn. Yeah. You know, Trevor comes from this world of technology and Diana comes from this world mm-hmm. of myth and magic. And so, like, for her coming to Trevor's world, it's kind of like she's like, oh, well, you know, there's obviously some sort of magic propelling this thing. Um, so, you know, whatever it's just, it's, it's weird. Cause I've never seen one before, but I'm not scared because like we have God killing swords and lassos that make you tell the truth. And like, <laughs> I'm sure Steve Trevor was is, in, in the same sense was kind of like, Oh, you know, I've, I've been, I've been trying to do some research on these weapons that are, you know, can kill people instantaneously and all these like explosives and guns and, and combat and things. And like, it's pretty cool. Hey, there's, there's these chicks who are shooting arrows from the wall and like coming down. Like I know a bow and arrow. I've never seen a woman do that before. Like, that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, there, there's, they, 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 they do take it in stride pretty well. It, it's, it's really, and, and the reactions are like genuine and sort of like, huh? <laughs> Cause I'm sure Steve has seen some stuff. Right. And I'm sure Diana has seen some stuff. And so like, you know, they, they cross over and it's like, I, I've seen some stuff. This is pretty weird, but you know, it's, it's not enough to like, totally freaked me out in fact the the stuff that diana was more concerned about was just the 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 how do you say it like the um the way people are and like you know like the one general that that she gets mad at because he's not out there leading his his uh, uh it, it wasn't the cars or the smoke or the the watch or the technology and stuff like that it was the fact that what was so bizarre and upsetting to her was that generals don't lead their soldiers in battle and um, like those are the things that are that are like so ingrained with her to, to, to see them be different is is upsetting as as far as like the regular kind of everyday stuff that goes on. She's like, oh, yeah, we do re- weird regular everyday stuff, too. Um, like our water glows blue, <laughs> you know, things like that. So so uh, there, there there were some reactions um, that uh, made more sense for her. And I think that the, the ones concerning battle and people and, um, you know, ha- like how to act and, and treat one another and things like that, that, that were so offensive to her. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like the, you're right. Like her noticing of people, um, and just kind of the, the more, you know, the things that I think we as an audience can really kind of grasp hold on in the midst of, and this is true of like most, you know, sci-fi or, or comic book films is finding that human element, uh, to make it very relatable. I mean, I think we we look at Diana as somebody who, you know, she has she has strong ideals. She wants to, you know, end war. And she, you know, even even with the bad guys, she's like, no, this isn't even you. I want to try to, you know, break this spell that's over you. Um, she wants to she wants to fight evil. She wants to end war. She knows, you know, war equals bad. But when then she actually goes to the war and she sees you know, uh, children dying from, you know, these chemical attacks when she sees soldiers with limbs blown off, you know, she's instantly like, well, I want to help. I want to help him. I want to help them. I want to help them. And, and, you know, Steve's like, we, we can't, we got to do this. We got to do this one thing. We literally can't help everybody. And it's just that, that sense of this idealism, which is good met with the realism, which is limiting. And of course, Wonder Woman has the ability to go beyond, you know, just the, you know, she, she can do more than everybody else that's there. She's got the power to save, uh, you know, I mean, as many people as everybody as she can, but I mean, she can't magically make somebody's limb come back. She can't bring a child back from the dead. And so seeing her kind of, you know, have that, that idealism, 
like meeting head to head with realism. I thought it was very poignant, man. I thought I thought it was also just very um very relevant to the modern era as well. Yeah, for sure. It, it felt really good, and it, and it and it and it came across well. Yeah, um, I mean, felt good in like a tragic, you know. <laughs> felt, yeah, it, it felt it, felt very real. Right, right, right. It, it felt realistic, and and you know, like Steve's whole mission was they, they, like he's very focused on this one mission, but Diana, like her mission, is so vast, right? You know, and it and it and, and there, there's there's butting of heads there, and um, it's it's that kind of like you know she wants like when when they're at the uh the no man's land like that that's a prime example of it where at that point she gets brilliant scene yes absolutely like a wonderful scene probably one of the best scenes in the movie um it's it's where she stops listening to trevor and she decides to make a difference um despite their overarching goal of like ending the war um she decides to make a difference at this point in time for these people uh right here and right now and um it kind of like shows how she's defined as a character where, um, she, you know, she, she does learn the lesson that where, you know, she might not be able to help everybody in this situation she could help. And so she did. And that's kind of like her um, motivation throughout where like, you know, her mother told her not to go, but she's like, it's wrong. These are, there are people dying and I have to help. And so it, it's kind of a reoccurring theme. And, and I think that scene really encompasses that uh, part of her character. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that she stopped listening to Trevor. I think, I think it's true for both, you know, I, I think it's just her in general. Um, is she's very, you know, like we said, like if you saw it as a child and you saw it kind of continued through, she's very determined. So, you know, her mother will tell her one thing and she'll hear that, but she'll be like, no, based on the principles that you laid out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm I know what, what is right here. Same thing with Trevor. Trevor's like laying out like, okay, let me explain to you the way the world works. She's like, yeah, okay, that's the way the world works, but I'm telling you this is the right thing. And then she goes and does it. So, I mean, like, you know, that's, that's, you know, by the way, props to this movie. It could have been very, I'm sure it was very tempting to do, to do the whole, you know, I am no man, right. To have that line that uh, Lord of the Rings, you know, no man can kill me, pull off the helmet. I am no man. And then stab works perfect in Lord of the Rings would be a little bit too much on the nose. If they like, like literally did that same line. I think the subtlety of, I mean, like maybe not so subtle to be honest, but I think, I think the way they wove it in like, no, don't you understand this is no man's land. And then she goes and takes it without having to say that she's not a man. Like, it's just like, bravo, bravo. Well done. Well done. Yes. Well, well done. So that, by the way, that, that action sequence in particular, straight up in the middle of the movie and I would argue, I mean, I, I, I think that the, you know, the, the gods fight essentially at the very end has some spectacular moments in it, but I mean, this was the action sequence. Um, I, I think about when she busts through that window too, to me, it gave me strong connection, strong vibes of, uh, you know, what we would later see or what we will later see in Batman versus Superman. The, the one sequence that is universally beloved in that movie with, uh, the Batman fight sequence uh, in many respects, this reminded me a lot of that. Just this brutal, closed quarters, busting through the wall, uh, heroes surrounded and just taking them out. Uh, I, I just, I loved it, man. I thought it was done really, really well. Yeah, and I saw a couple parallels that uh, in Aquaman, I know when they're in 
oh, what city is it where they're running across the roof and, uh, you know, jumping through walls and things like that. Oh, yeah. Was it Italy? Somewhere in Italy, maybe? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. I think it was like Malta or something. I don't know. But um, maybe. Yeah. I, I, was, I was reminded of a couple scenes in that, like where the rooftop scenes where she's like jumping through people through walls, <laughs> and, and, like a couple things like that. I wonder if Aquaman took any inspiration uh uh as as Miro was doing those because it was you know Miro was basically taking the um if the Wonder Woman route through the roofs whereas Aquaman was on the ground kind of like Trevor so parallels I don't know maybe it could be I mean they you know there is a a language that exists a visual language that I think exists throughout all these films um that we'll probably be able to unpack as time goes on all right so we already talked about the fact that we know that Steve um spoilers is going to make it to 1984 um, one of the things that I realized is kind of tragic though in this is that I, I granted, we don't know how he makes it to 1984, but I have a feeling that it's probably just him, which makes me sad because I forgot how much I loved his secretary candy, man. <laughs> yeah, she was great. Candy all- is the best. Like she was one of the, like the best characters in this movie. And she's, I mean, like, it's not like we saw her die, but she's going to exist, you know, several decades in the past. Do you think we'll see old candy? No, I mean, 84, that's like almost 90 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So so no, because, you know. So so no, then, yeah. She'd be like like 110 or 120 or something. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, yeah. But, you know, it could be a time vortex portal that opened up. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Maybe we won't get to know. see any of his I, other friends as well, like the Scottish guy and uh, the Moroccan guy and Native American guy, Chief. Yes, 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 yes. And I mean, you know, I, you know, the 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 gang of characters that uh, you know the 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 squad, as it were. Um, you know, I, <laughs> for more of my thoughts on on the squad as a whole, and you know whether or not they're stereotypes. See see a different review for that. See our panel to screen <laughs> review for that cuz this is just the rose colored review. And I will tell you one of the things I really um appreciate I think about the squad is that I believe that each of these characters is supposed to at least be a nod to other characters in uh in the comics. Um for example, you know Chief and I believe we actually even talked about this during our original review but um, is perhaps supposed to be Long Shadow, uh, if we use the uh, Justice League Unlimited version of the character, or um, you know, with for example, um, I think Samir is very heavily implied to be you know one of the Blackhawks, or or could potentially be one of the Blackhawks of this uh, this universe. Uh, so I mean, like you know, I think uh, you know, I would have, I, I definitely would have loved to see even more of a leaning into that, uh, you know, to kind of make the comparison, as you said earlier, of you know, the, the Wayne connection being very subtle, almost blink and you miss it in uh, man of steel to some extent, I almost feel like these, these tie-ins, these potential tie-ins are kind of like that. And I think it would have really adds added some depth to the squad, maybe beyond more of kind of a, a, you know, leaning heavily in on, on stereotypes and going more into like, well, let's, let's actually lean into the DC connections. Um, the connections are there. And I, I do want to give this movie props to, um, to potentially laying the groundwork for a deeper exploration there. And should we see the squad come back? I would love to see that. Yeah. You know, throwing some more deep cuts basically. As, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, like I said, I think, I think the groundwork is, has been laid if they want to go there. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter 
And, you know, as, as Diana is going through London, I said, you know, I never saw Hercules in New York, but I've, I've heard you, Belle, describe Hercules in New York. And, and I have a feeling that this, this, this is really giving me some Hercules in New York kind of vibes. Uh, is, is that a fair connection? I mean, is it possible that Hercules in New York inspired some of Wonder Woman's <laughs> first trip to London? I doubt it. <laughs> By the way, so I, you know, as, as I was telling my wife this, and she's like, what's Hercules in New York? And I looked at her, I said, it's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. It, also known as Hercules Goes Bananas. Uh, it's uh, one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's, I think it was, I think it was his first film in the United States. Um, where uh, they actually overdubbed his voice because his Austrian accent was so thick. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a Hercules. He's like, he gets tired of Mount Olympus. So he goes to New York to kind of like party with people and stuff. And it's just, it's hilarious. It's, it's exactly what, and doesn't he hang out with uh, uh, George Costanza? Oh, I don't am, I, am I misremembering that? I can't remember who his friend is, but he's got a friend. Maybe it's not George Costanza, but it's a George Costanza type, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you're the one who's seen it anyway. So yeah, so just just you know, gotta gotta get a little Hercules in New York here. Uh, Lasso of Truth, wonderful weapon. Um, obviously, they give it a bit of a bit different name here, but um, I it's it's visually beautiful. Um, the way that we kind of see it play out in the the fight sequences, and just also <laughs> offers up such great potential just as a narrative device when used on obviously Ares at the end, so that we know that he's telling the truth. Um, or at least maybe there's even an argument as to whether or not he's telling the truth, or if he's using his powers to cancel it out. This um, perhaps a, a debate that could be had there. Uh, but in particular, when it's used on Steve, I mean, obviously Chris Pine has a ton of fun playing somebody <laughs> who is under <laughs> the spell of the lasso of truth. Yeah. They, <laughs> what, what do they say? It's like, if you resist, it'll hurt. And he's like, like the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like the, the, when he grabs it, he says, we are get, getting you across the, you know, the front line. This is a terrible idea. We're all going to die. Why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Yeah, I, I really like um, like yeah. I, you mentioned earlier. I really like Chris Pine and Diana's kind of chemistry there, and it, it, it works really well. And and like the the humor that they inject into these things, like they they, they keep a serious tone in the serious parts, and then they they mm-hmm. inject a lot of humor in other parts. And I just think it it really kind of makes this movie feel well rounded and 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 fun and entertaining. Um, I that that's one thing that I just really appreciate about it. Yeah, you know, so I you know just to kind of you know, make reference to criticism that came before without, you know, without, without playing into that. Cause I think there's actually a, a spin here. One of the things that a lot of people criticized at the time was the fact that, um, you know, Aries being in the movie at all, you know, actually being kind of behind the scenes undercuts the message that it was trying to, to create, which is that, you know, man doesn't need God to ruin things. Man is perfectly capable of war without a God of war, behind the scenes. But to some extent, I think that's true. I think that, you know, um, Ares even communicates that very well in this movie that like, Hey, it ain't me. I'm just over here telling them, you know, what the technology is. They're the ones that are using it. I have to do literally nothing. Um, I think, I think that it was actually done in a way that is able to maintain that message while also giving a supernatural, uh, you know, creature or thing for wonder woman to combat at the end. Um, because you need that. You need, you know, quote unquote, Superman to throw a punch. You need Wonder Woman to be able to fight a villain that is more her speed as opposed to war as an abstract construct. Now, I think that Wonder Woman versus war as an abstract contract construct is very interesting, especially when you have her in kind of this very idealistic state that she exists in in, in the first half of the movie. But 
you know, you still, you still, you know, we need lightning. We need, you know, you know, the, the, you know, we need, we need the sword coming out. We need her to be able to really kind of unleash. I think when you get superheroes, give superheroes the power to, or the ability to really unleash the fullness of their powers. Um, that's, that's what we want. Uh, you know, reasonable debate is fine, but, but that can happen early in the movie. At the end, I, I do think that there's nothing wrong with two gods going up against each other while I'm chewing up some popcorn at the, at the third act of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the criticisms, you know, they're the, she's, you know, fighting, like she wants to end war. And so she ends war by fighting war. And like, you know, it's sort of like a fighting fire with fire kind of thing. It's, um, you know, it is what it is. And, and you're right. You know, you got, you got to have big battles, right? You got to have big fights. You got to see your, your superpower or your superhumans use their superpowers and have really cool stuff happen, you know? So yeah, there's that aspect of it. And sure. Um, it, it was, it was really cool to see the powers being used and whatnot. Uh, whether or not it muddied the message depends on your interpretation. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it, it's, I think it worked. I, I do. I like for me personally, man, I really do think that it worked because I mean, even Steve says it and I think this is such a great line. It's such a great back and forth between the two of them that again is super relevant. So Steve Trevor, you don't think I get it after what I've seen out there. You don't think I wish I could tell you that it was just one bad guy to blame. It's not. We are all to blame. And Diana, someone who's been removed from the world says I'm not. And then Steve Trevor you know, a hero says, but maybe I am. I'm like, man, this message is so crucial to like 2020. Like, you know what I mean? This message is so crucial to kind of the acknowledgement that like at the end of the day, you know, yes, obviously there is bad guys. Aries is right there. We can see Aries. He's literally glowing red at this very moment. There is one bad guy that we can like point fingers at at the moment. Uh, But at the same time, it's not just Aries. The reality is Ares wouldn't be like super powerful right now if it wasn't from the failure of humanity. And that's, that is what I think is just, it's a, it's a crucial message. And I think that it really lands in a, in a great way. I love the Diana Steve relationship. I, you know, Steve Trevor before this movie, nobody knew who knew who Steve Trevor was. Um, Chris Pine really did a fantastic job with the character and I think the way in which they set up the dynamic between the two, um, you know, they, they have some fun with it, right? They play off of kind of flipping the damsel in distress narrative. Uh, my wife actually picked, picked up on this. I, I, I had not noticed this before, but when Diana is even, you know, trying to escape from Themyscira or leave, not escape, but leave Themyscira, she, she literally has to climb a tower to go save Steve. Now, he's not in the tower. That would have, you know, made it a little bit more on the nose. But, you know, she climbs the tower to get the weapons that she needs in order to save, t- uh, save Steve. So it's the reversal of kind of the, the knight going to the tower to save the princess, right? Yeah. Except for there's no dragon. Um, unless you want to call her mom. Absolutely. Her mom's temper a dragon, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I, no, I tell you what, it's not her mom's temper, but that mom guilt was up to 11, man. When she's like, when she's like, the last thing she says to her is like, when you were born, you know, it was the happiest day and now you've made me like the saddest I've ever been. I can't remember yeah, exactly what so, it was. So yeah, but, you, uh, you were, oh gosh. Uh, you were my greatest joy. Now you are the source of my greatest sorrow or something like that. Yeah, now like you're that. my greatest sorrow. Yeah. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's just like full on mom guilt to like the nth degree, yeah. uh, which is just great. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's her last words in the movie too. <laughs> uh, hopefully the character will be making a comeback in the sequel or, or in one of the sequels. Um, 
Uh, we also get a chance to see, you know, there's some great visualizations in this. Uh, you know, the, the, what the Rosie, the riveter, uh, pose the, the, you know, the classic, we can do it when, when, uh, she's saving Steve in the alley. Um, you know, there's, it's a great moment, right? Like the, the way in which they, they react, um, is based off of their world. So, you know, muggers are coming up. Steve heroic is like, get behind me, willing to be that self-sacrificial guy. And then boom, she blocks the thing. He's like, or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're, you know, they're, they're handling business in the middle of that sequence. If you, you know, if you kind of freeze frame, you see her actually doing that, uh, that we can do it pose, which is, um, a great, great visual, uh, uh, comparison. There's also the lesser known World War II poster where uh, a woman is picking up a German tank and throwing it at the God of War. That one didn't get <laughs> as publicized as much. Um. <laughs> you think it would. You'd think it would. Hey, uh, great nod to the comics. Uh, Wonder Woman's love of ice cream. That's kind of a New 52 reference or a reference to something that happened in the New 52. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with her discovery of, of ice cream, it's like, oh, you should be very proud. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the character with or the the I'm not sure it's the character the actress um, but there's uh, the the woman that she steals the dress from is supposed to be a nod to a character from both the TV show and the comic books uh, which was kind of a a Nazi version of Wonder Woman um, again that's more of a kind of in the same line of kind of the long shadow of Black Hawk uh, type of references the the Wayne the Wayne logo on the satellite kind of a blink and you miss it or not even blink just you might totally miss it unless you do a little digging <laughs> but uh, but that's there as well um, yeah man this is this is a this is a really good movie and I I enjoyed it I, I'll put it this way I enjoyed it just fine the first time through I wasn't blown away by it being able to rewatch it with the rose-colored retrospective glasses really made me enjoy it way more and and realize that I missed so much the first time I saw it. And it's got me excited for the rest of this. But man, what about you? What what other things did you notice about this? Or um, what other things really stood out to you about Wonder Woman? I mean, yeah, you're right. Like starting with Wonder Woman first is the way, like if I ever decided, you know, outside of the uh, release of the Rose Colored Cut to rewatch the Snyderverse, this is how I'm going to do it. Because I mean, it, you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. It just adds so much to it. And, and you start off with two of the stronger entries in, in the in the franchise, which I think really, really helps. Um, it, it, it made me it's made me more excited to watch Man of Steel. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to watch that one. Um, and and I, well, we'll see what happens with the others. But like, yeah, it, I, I this was one of my one of my favorite uh, DCEU films, um, even before the rose colored retrospective. And, and so, yeah, like there's, you know, this was a very, very easy episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. This was, uh, this, this was our, it was more of our softball one. I mean, and this was definitely, we were, we were ready to go for this one and, um, I'm, I'm excited though. I think it's going to be great. Hey, here's what we're doing. Um, so every single week, uh, on Tuesday nights, we'll be doing a live tweeting of one of the films. You can go to Twitter and Facebook, uh, to see, we've got the full schedule out there. Um, we'd love for you to tweet along with us using the hashtag release the rose colored cut, uh, bell, which one are you doing next week? Man of steel. All right. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be really great. So uh, join Bell for Man of Steel next week. Uh, we'll also be doing the live podcast. Now, uh, you may have missed this one or you may have tried to tune in and, and heard all of our technical difficulties. We really had to brush off the cobwebs <laughs> trying to get things <laughs> up and running uh, this evening. So um, hopefully by next week, the live podcast will work without a hitch and it'll be great. Uh, you can join us for the live podcast on Wednesdays at 5 CST. 
uh, over at twitch.tv slash York or at Flash TV Talk on Twitter. Um, join us then for a rose-colored retrospective on Man of Steel. Also, uh, you may have heard we have been doing some fun uh, video gaming it up with uh, Flashcraft, hashtag Flashcraft, where over on Minecraft, we've been making Star Labs. Uh, we just started a new season of Flashcraft where we are currently hard at work on the Justice League Hall of Justice, but we'll be making a lot of different uh, locations from the DC universe over on Minecraft. If that sounds of interest to you at all, let us know. Um, if you're interested in possibly even being part of the server and helping us with some of those builds, um, DM us on Twitter and, uh, and we'll see about possibly getting you in on the server. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we're already having a lot of fun. Uh, Bell, who was very anti-commerce on our server, has become like the hardcore capitalist bigwig all of a sudden wanting to like charge <laughs> diamonds for everything. So it's, uh, that's it's, just it's, how these economies work in these things. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, we'll, we'll see how it all works out, but, uh, yeah. but <laughs> look for a hashtag flashcraft and, and join us there. Uh, also you can follow us throughout the week. You can follow me. I'm at the real Bo York, or you can follow bell at ring that bell. But if 280 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. Uh, yes. And for all the latest updates, be sure to head over to facebook.com slash flash TV talk. Shout out to Charlie Bach, who provides our amazing outro music. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this is pardon, pardon our, our adjustment back to the podcast world. We're, we're still, we're still figuring it all out. I know that y'all want some good flash content we want some good flash content too but hopefully you'll enjoy this in the interim uh we've got this the uh the rose colored retrospectives and we got the flash craft and who knows what'll come next help us decide um one way or the other man it's just it's really good hanging out with you on mic and really great hearing from everybody so uh yeah don't worry we'll be back in a flash
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.